All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to the Dropping the Gloves podcast, the official podcast of the HockeyFights.com website that you should all frequent, especially in the summer, Tim. I went on a Patty Coletta binge the other day. I just got wrapped up into it for about an hour and a half. Just Pat Coletta videos. It was, And then I found myself just evaluating my life choices after that. I'm like, what am I doing? watching Pat Coletta videos for an hour and a half on like a Monday morning. It was so weird. I, I was just like, what, what have you ever done that? Just all of a sudden, just look in the rabbit hole and you're like, eh, maybe. And then like an hour later, you're like, how did I get here? Where am I? What have I watched? Have you ever done that? Yeah. It's always like conspiracy videos or alien stuff or ancient civilization. Like that's the stuff that I get excited about. And really figure out, yeah, like what's what's the deal? What what's really going on? Mine's always like it's if it's not hockey, it's always like woodworking videos <laughs> or like how to pour a slab. And I just like next thing you know, I'm like, how do you refinish a 1926 motorcycle? <laughs> it takes like the video's like two hours long, and I'm just like just locked in, I'm like this is amazing. So yeah, we couldn't be any more different, Tim. Yeah, but that's what makes it work, John. That's what makes it work. You know what I was actually listening to the other day? And it got me thinking. My kids homeschool, most of them. I was listening to, uh, I think, just on the radio. They were just doing, are you smarter than a fifth grader questions? And I was like, that would be fun to do for Tim because he thinks he's so smart. And he thinks he knows everything. So I'm going to give you some questions, Tim. All right. And I'm going to see if you can answer these questions. And these are fifth grade questions. We're going to go through the gamut of subjects. And you at home, you can listen to and you can you can play along at home if you want. I'm wicked smart, are, John. I, well, you tell me every time. Before we come on air, he just brags about all the books he's reading and just contemplating and just, just everything, how good your brain is. All right. We'll start with math, Tim. Okay. We'll do a couple questions. Let me know if it's getting too hard. I can bump you down to fourth grade. <laughs> but we'll stick with Good. fifth grade right away. Okay. A hexagon has how many sides? Six. Correct. If a football field is 100 yards long, how many feet is that football field? 300. Okay, nice. And a quick math, 34 times 20. <clears throat> 34 times 20, 680. Okay, very good. Three for three. We'll move on to history, Tim. This should be no-brainers for you, right? This should, this should be a tap. You're a history buff. What was the name of the last queen of France? The only Marie Antoinette. That's How did you know that? that right, yeah. She was beheaded during the <sighs> French Revolution. Everyone That's that. amazing. That's really good. Okay, we'll, we'll do a couple more here. What was the most widely known, widely grown crop in the middle colonies? What was uh, the most widely grown crop in the mi- middle colonies? I don't even know what the middle colonies are. That's like Virginia, 
Okay, what was the widely grown, the most prevalent crop grown? Tobacco. Wheat. 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 Interesting. Last one. Who commissioned the Lewis and Clark expedition? Thomas Jefferson. Man, Tim. That's really impressive. That's really impressive. All right. English and arts. What is the name of the most famous, famous English playwright? You know this. Shakespeare. Yeah, of course. Um, which words mean, which word means to radiate, spin, kill, and glow? Which word means to radiate, spin, kill, and glow? Well, pick one. Yeah, of those, are those my choices? Yeah, it's glow. That's easy. Glow, yeah. All right, last one. Who was the creator of the classic book characters Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn? Um, oh, uh, Dickens. Mark Twain. Okay, Mark you got. Twain. You are human. Now we're going to move on to science. This is where I think I w- I would be good. I, I'm a science guy, math guy. Okay, this is easy. What are the three states of matter? That's easy. Yeah, solid, gas, liquid. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's easy. Why do you see lightning before you hear thunder? That's easy. Light travels faster than sound. Correct. All right. Which tool is used to estimate the likelihood of certain genetic outcomes? <laughs> A tool? There's no way. I've never even heard of this word. Uh, There's no way. Yeah, I don't know. A Punit square? Oh, a Punit square. No, I don't know. Are you serious? No. All right. I do, I do remember that, though. Yeah, I do remember Last that. Last one. What species can live on both water and land? Amphibian. Man, Tim, you want to do geography? You'll probably get that. I, I love geography. Do. All right. What's the capital of New Hampshire? You probably know that. Uh, Concord. It's actually Concord. Not Concord. Concord. All right, a Canadian one. What is the capital of Canada? Ottawa. What's the capital of Ontario? Toronto. Okay. Okay. We know your stuff. That's it. I thought I was really going to get you on a bunch. We got one wrong. You got the rest right. So you are smart. You can continue to brag. Let me ask you one. This is more of a riddle than a question. I heard this the other day. Picture uh, a toilet paper tube. That's it. That's but the toilet paper is gone. Just the tube. Okay. Okay. Does it have one hole or two? Does it have one hole or two? Yeah. Uh, it has one. One hole. One hole going right through it. What if it was a longer tube, like for wrapping paper? I think it just would still have one. Okay. Is that right? Like a, a straw, the straw, one tube or two, one hole or two. I, I think it's one. Okay. Some people would say two. There's no right answer. Well, then what's the point of the question, Tim? Let's get if you thinking. No wrong answer. Dang it. Do you want to? Do, right. do you want a question? Do you want... Okay, go. One more. Yeah. What? Give me a category. What would you like? Oh. Give you a category? What do you mean? Tell me what question you want your category to be in. Math. <laughs> okay uh 17 times 17 well that's like uh okay that's 49 that's gonna be 490 4,090 490 289 289 uh, whatever okay. john you're smart you're capable i don't care <laughs> everyone is... likes you seven times seven is 49 a stupid question, but yeah, I guess you got to multiply the first numbers too. All right, let's talk about hockey. We'll edit that out. That was, I thought it was going to be more enjoyable. When I listened you to you, were gonna radio, get I was like, this is really fun. This is really fun. And it wasn't, you just get too many questions, right? You're, you're too, you're too smart. Let's move on to hockey. A team that's not too smart right now in my mind is the Dallas Stars, Tim. Here's why. They have all their money wrapped up in their two stars, star players. That's what you do. You, you, you spend money to these big names and you hope they produce. You gamble. It's just like everything in life. You don't know how it's going to end up. You assume things are going to happen. You Okay, we have Tyler Sagan. We have Jamie Benn. We're paying these guys big money because they're good hockey players. I don't know what the future holds. 
Hopefully they continue to progress or they stay at the same level that they're at where we're signing right now. Well, fast forward a couple of years and the Dallas stars are in dire straits. We, we talked about them up and down the last couple of years. They've overexceeded expectations a couple of years ago when they made the Stanley cup finals last year, they came down to earth. They were buttressed up by a makeshift first line, first line of Rupa Heinz, Robertson's and Joe Pavelski, who had no business doing what they did. They, they just played well beyond their the tip of their skis. They're they playing fantastic. Joe Pavelski is a 37-year-old forward who should not be scoring 40 goals a season and getting 80, 90 points, but he did. He was fantastic. They're supposed to be led by their star players. They're supposed to be led by Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. And I'll tell you why they, they made a mistake. And it's not the players. It's not the GM. It is their owner. Their owner has been all over these guys. He went, came out again. And he just ripped them a new one, Tim. He said, they're not playing good. Their owner is Tom Gallardi. Now, I don't know if he has a history in sports. I don't know if he's just a hobby owner. Like there are so many of those around the league. They just, we like hockey. Let's buy a team. Or if he's just a business guy who saw it as a good investment and bought the team. He came out and he said, we have far too many players who are underperforming offensively. We need something to change. I think those guys sign those contracts and they've got to find a way to deliver that kind of value. If they don't, it hampers the team. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. They know it. And this is on top of comments he made last year and the year before, just ripping Ben and Sagan. Now, if you rip them once and they don't produce and you lay into them again, and they don't produce, why bother do it a third time? Why, why, why do this, Tim? I don't understand. I, I get he's frustrated. I get he is upset with the production that he's getting. He's a, he's a black and white guy. I pay for something. I want production. I'm not getting it. I feel ripped off. You need to produce more. I understand that. We've talked about how Sagan and Ben are the reason the Dallas Stars aren't doing well. They need to produce. I get it. Does this do anything productive for your franchise? Does this make players want to sign in Dallas? Does this make your team a destination? Does this make Sagan and Ben want to produce more? Does this make a team want to trade for these guys and give you a top value for these guys? Why does he do this, Tim? Or is this just an owner who's just upset and he's just venting his frustration to the media for some reason? I don't get what's the end game here for this owner. Well, usually when this sort of thing happens, it's like he's trying to spark his players. And, you know, occasionally it comes out with the owners or GM will kind of bash their guys in an interview or something. And it's always a headline. It's always it usually kind of kicks him into gear. But like you said, he's done this multiple times before over the years, and it hasn't really worked. Sagan and Ben just had really mediocre seasons last year. Sagan had 24 goals, 49 points. Ben had 18 goals, 46 points. They're making a combined like 17, 19 million. And Almost it's just, 20 million, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, obviously, I can sit, get his frustration, but what else is the owner supposed to do? Nothing he's done has worked. Maybe just putting him on blast again might kick him into gear. I don't know. What what else could he do? I'm sure he's having many conversations behind closed doors as well. Well, he's going about it the wrong way. There, there's no good reason for him to step out into the media and do this. Yes, he's talked to him behind closed doors. I get, for sure, as a hockey player, I don't give two rat blanks what the owner thinks i don't want him around the team i don't want to see him there's no reason for him to be in the locker room or even on the bus or the plane sign my check and just beat it in my opinion you don't know anything about hockey if i if i'm ben and sagan i'm looking at this guy i'm like just shut your mouth no one wants to hear what you have to say you have no control over me whatsoever you sign my contract I am here for the next, in Tyler Sagan's case, five more years. Jamie Ben, you have for three more years. You're paying me almost 10 million bucks a year. I don't care what you think. If anything, I'm going to go out there and just try less. And you can rip me more. Like there, I, I don't understand this. If I'm the head coach, I'm sitting there, Pete DeBoer. I'm coming into Dallas. I'm going to try to change the culture. I want to get these two guys to buy in. I want to get them to be the players that they were five years ago. And I have my owner coming out and just ripping him again. Why does Jamie Ben want to come to the to the rink if the owner's just throwing him under the bus and cr- criticizing him all the time? Why, if I'm Tyler Sagan, do I do I really want to go and do that extra rep of down and backs at the rink or run up that hill or do an extra this or that at the gym if my owner's just ripping me every off season? 
questioning my accountability, my training, my scoring, my, my work ethic, everything. No, it's not a good look. I don't understand why owners do this. I don't understand. Maybe a GM, I can, I get that because the GM is actually involved in the team. He knows the inner workings of the team. The owner doesn't know a thing. It's very, very rare where the owner is involved in the day-to-day operations. He knows the heartbeat of the team. He's talking to the GM weekly. That's very rare. Maybe I can't even think of an owner who is like that. The only one I can think of is Jerry Jones for the Dallas Cowboys. There's no other owner who's involved in the team on the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month level that I can think of in the hockey environment. None. And I played with owners who are allowed in Buffalo. Terry Pagula was around all the time just because he bought the team. He wanted to be around. Guy doesn't know a lick about hockey. Nothing. He's an oil guy. Doesn't, doesn't know a thing about Craig Leopold in Minnesota likes hockey was around a little bit. Doesn't know a thing about hockey. So these guys, they got deep wallets. They, they want to turn a profit, but it's like, just, just go away. This isn't helping your situation. If I'm Pete DeBoer, I'm just livid. I'm like, why is he saying all these things? If I'm the GM and I'm trying to trade these guys, if I'm Jim Nil, I'm like shush, shush, shush your mouth, hush your mouth, be quiet. I want to trade these guys and you're making the market just tank. I'm not going to get anything. I'm in pennies on the dollar for these guys. So I don't know. It's not good. Um, I, then they're doing some, you know, work to tr- cover it up. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, we, we've talked to them. They, they know what they have to do. All these GMs and the PR guys are trying to smooth it over. It's a dysfunctional situation in Dallas right now. I, I don't know any other way to say it. All your money's tied up in these two guys. It's your captain. It's your assistant captain, the leaders of the team. And they're not producing. The owner's ripping them in the media. I do not want to be a fly on that wall come training camp because I, what do you say? What do you do? I don't understand. I, I, it's a dysfunctional situation. And Dallas is such a great city. I don't, I, it's, it's, it's really too bad. It's strange because like they have so much going for them as an organization. Like Robertson is a legit like star in the making and you've got Pavelski still scoring. They've got some additional, they added Mason Marchman from Florida. They have Ottinger who's one of maybe the, the best young goalie in the league and who's not signed by the way. Neither is, neither is Robertson. They've got the cap space to do it, but it all comes down to Sagan and Ben. It's like, I, you know, maybe the, the owners in the wrong to call them out like this, but wherever they go, the team goes. If they can even get like 70 points instead of the 46 that they got last year, like this is a different looking team. And let's not forget that they took the, the flame, they made a playoffs and they took the flames to seven games last year. And so this, and two years ago, they're in the Stanley Cup. So like they could, they could be up there. They could be a lot better, but not until these guys turn it around. And I, I have hope for Sagan. It does seem like Ben's on the back nine of his career for sure. I don't think, I, you know, I don't know how much he can impact the the scoreboard. He can do other things well, but Sagan's got to be close to a point per game guy if he can stay healthy. And we thought he was healthy last year. That was the reports last summer. He was looking good. He was finally healthy from his surgery two years ago, and then he didn't really do too much. So will this year be different? Who knows? I hope so. I like Tyler Sagan. When when he's going, when he's flying, he's fun to watch. Like he's a very electric player, just dynamic. Everybody knows Sagan. Jamie Ben, I like him too. He plays the game hard. He's old school. One of the very few guys who still doesn't have a visor. Love that. Gets in the scrums, in your face. Love the passion. Just hasn't produced the last couple of years. What are you going to do? I don't know if puck luck's not going their way, Tim. Have you interacted with either of these guys in your career? Well, yeah, I played against them for sure. Ben's always respectful. No, no one wanted to talk to me. I was some (laughs) fourth line douche who no one, like, whatever. In scrums, and I get this and that, or you you get the passing high at the, the meetings in the summer, but no, they nobody liked me. Nobody. T- <laughs> I, it is what it is, but That's not going true. back to the stars, they have a good team. I like the way they're built. They have a good back six. I like high skin. I like Kakapa. I like Lindell. I like their goaltenders. Like you said, Ottinger is just a star in the making. He's a very, very good goaltender. I don't think he gets the dues that he's deserved. He's a really good goaltender. If Robertson, Hints, and Pavelski can duplicate what they did last year, I don't see any reason why these guys can't be in the mix in the Western Conference. Yes, we know what Colorado's done, but just how the West is kind of shaking out right now. LA is still trying to figure out what they're doing. San Jose, we don't know what they're doing. Anaheim's making some kind of noise. Dallas could rightfully so angle themselves for a top four or five position in the West. If, if they get production from Ben and Sagan, it feels like a broken record the last two or three years, but if they can figure out 
their game and get back to even a fraction of what they were when they were really good players, Dallas Stars could be a contender. And I know it's strange to say a team, you know, missing the playoffs last year, but it would not surprise me if they, you know, we're a good team next year, but it all depends on that second line. Team. That, that goes without saying. Now a team that has a lot of question marks, a team that just completely cleaned house this off season, the San Jose Sharks, people always tweet us. They write in, why don't you talk about San Jose? Please talk about San Jose. We've got a lot of Sharks fans who listen. We're going to dive into the San Jose Sharks, Tim, aren't we? What did they do this offseason to mix it up a little bit? Well, they got rid of their best player, uh, at least best defenseman, Brent Burns. He's their best defenseman, you think? Well, not anymore. Do you think he was last year? Who would be better? I don't know. Ferraro? I do like Carlson. Friend of the show. Mario is? Future friend of the show. Did we have Ferraro as a guest? We did, yeah. Very forgettable interview, I guess. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> but yes, they lost Brent Burns. What else did they move? They, they new faces up top, Tim. Yeah, they got a new GM, Mike Greer, first time GM. We talked about that first African American GM, and then new coach David Quinn, who was formerly with the Rangers. He wasn't coaching at all last season, I don't think. Um, and so, when you bring in new leadership like that, usually that's that's indicative of like. Uh, a shift in the organization. It's a new new leaf, whatever, new direction. But the team is not really built that way. It doesn't really have the luxury of, of doing that, some of the contracts they have. So I, I don't know. Do you think this is like when you see the moves they made, the people they brought in, the people they, the, tra- the players they traded away, how do you make sense of this? What direction is the franchise headed? Well, that's the thing. It's It's a very muddled future for the San Jose Sharks. They don't know which way to go. They have very good high-end players. Thomas Hurdle is a fantastic player. Logan Couture is a very, very good player. Timo Meyer is very good. And then it's just a very steep drop-off after that. There, there is a, a very drastic top three, bottom nine situation going on there on the forward end. And on the back end, we, we talked about with the ben, Brent Burns contract. They are saddled. When you talk about bad contracts around the NHL, these two guys are always in the conversation because they don't produce, they're old, and they're getting worse. They're regressing. Eric Eric Carlson and Mark Edward Vlasic, friend of the show. I hate to say it, but he makes $7 million. He signed for four more years. Mark Edward Vlasic. Four four more years. He's 35, turning 36. Carlson signed for five more years at $11.5 million. So you cannot win in today's hockey. We talk about it. We beat it to death. And I'm sorry, San Jose fans. Every time we talk about San Jose, it's the same thing over and over again. We go back because it's the truth. They have almost 20. We talk about Dallas, Sagan and Ben, $20 million tied up between those two. There was almost $20 million tied up with Carlson and Vlasic. And when you look at impact players make on the game, Ben and Sagan, they go out there every fourth shift. So they play, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes a game. Carlson and Vlasic play 20 minutes a game. They are, they are a huge impact on the game. And they're not great. These should be your stalwarts. These should be the guys you can throw out there and you go, okay, I don't have to worry about these two. You are worried when they're on the ice. And that is not a good thing when you're paying these guys 11 and a half and $7 million. So to, to answer your question, where are the San Jose Sharks? I don't know. Where they should be, they should be rebuilding. But then you look at their offseason moves, they didn't do anything. They brought in Luke Coonan. Big deal. They signed him to two years, $2.75 million. Okay. Did they have any good young players on their roster, Tim, that you're excited, that you, you want to get up and go watch this team? The future is bright for San Jose. No, they don't. They don't have anybody on their complete roster today that I'm excited for tomorrow. Their best player is Thomas Hurdle. He's 28 years old. They re-signed him to a big deal. Eight million plus for I don't know how many years. Eight years. It, it was a big deal. I don't understand that move. I said they should have reset, put pushed a reset button, trade him, try to trade Carlson and Vlasic. They got rid of Burns for nothing. They gave Brent Burns away. They got nothing in return. I don't like where San Jose's at. I don't think they have a direction. Mike Greer takes over the reins. He's trying to figure this out as a GM, especially your first position. 
you, you want to show some kinds of improvement. You want to show a direction. You want to give the fan base something to lock onto, whether it's a rebuild, whether it's we're going to reload and go for it again. He's kind of handcuffed. You can't reload. There's nothing to reload with. You can't rebuild because the only way to rebuild is to get rid of Carlson and Vlasic and Hurdle and Couture. Then you're completely gutted. Their prospects pool is pretty weak because they just shipped out all their top draft picks for years when they were making those Stanley Cup runs. So they don't have any high end draft picks in the pool. They except, do. Hold on, I know there's a couple, but there's not. It's not the same prospects pool that an LA Kings have, or an Anaheim Ducks have, or all these other teams that are in the same position as San Jose. Those other teams have very, very, very good prospects. So, okay, just list off San Jose's prospects, and we can move past it. Well, just the one kid I want to point out, William Eklund, who's taken seventh overall in 2021. He's from Sweden, supposed to be like a total phenom, but he's young. He's 19 years old. He's small. He's 5'10". So he's going to be a player that's, that's several years in developing, I think. He's not like a – even if he makes the team this year, which I don't think he will, he's not going to have a huge impact right away. He's going to take some time to grow into being a pro player. But he is a very exciting young talent that uh, will be part of San Jose's future for sure. Yeah, a future that will not include, in my opinion, David Quinn, a future that hopefully will include Mike Greer, but I don't think it will. I think the fans there, you and I see this a lot. What are we doing here? What's the goal of the San Jose Sharks? We we want to win the Stanley Cup, right? Why why resign Thomas Hurdle? Why do that? Do you honestly think Thomas Hurdle will win a Stanley Cup with the San Jose Sharks in the next eight years? I know you want to be competitive. I know I know you want to try to win. And I know people bash the Chicago Blackhawks, and, and we had Kirby Doc on. We talked in length about Debrinket, Kane Taves, what they're going to do there. I don't mind what Chicago's doing. They know where they're at. They know what, what, what is happening with their franchise. And they're resetting. They said, you know what? We were bad last year. We tried to make a couple moves to try to make us a good team. We brought in Seth Jones. We brought in Flurry. We tried, you know, we brought in Jake McCabe. We tried. We 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 tried to do that one last push. It didn't work. So now we're just tearing it down, baby. We're starting over. San Jose, they didn't do that. And they resigned Couture to a long deal a couple of years ago, eight million per. They signed Thomas Hurdle this offseason, or not this offseason, last year to a long deal. They tried. Now it's not working. Now you're saddled with that contract for eight years. You got Logan Couture, and you have nothing left in the piggy bank. You were almost a last place team last year and you only have $2 million in salary cap. And that's because you got rid of your, your high end defenseman who made, what is Burns Bay? $8 million, $9 million. You, you need to define your franchise. You need to figure out a route and you need to stay on that road. And they, they just don't know where they're going. So maybe Mike Rick comes in and he says, okay, we're just going to, we're going to tear it all down. How do you tear it all down? If you're San Jose, do you trade Thomas Hurdle? At this point, he's the only guy who has any value on this team that can get anything, right? Do you, do you think you're going to get good value for Logan Couture? He's a 33-year-old centerman. He makes $8 million a year. Yes, he's good, but he, he's not a high, high, high-end offensive guy at this point in his career. There was a point when he was getting maybe 60, 70 points. That, that, that time is gone. So he's not going to bring you anything back. Are you going to trade one of your defensemen? You have nobody there. Are you going to trade a goaltender? You have no goaltenders. Are you going to trade a good young player? You have no good young players. There's nothing for you to build around. Another point, Tim, what? Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer is 25 years old. He's an RFA. He's an expiring contract. You got to think he'll probably move him. He just came off a career season. He put up 35 goals, 76 points. That's, That's a player that's worth a lot, I think. That's a team that, that's a guy that teams are going to want. I agree. Trade him. Get rid of him. He's a good piece. Hurdle and him are the two pieces. They, you got to get rid of him. Get rid of him now. Set set your franchise up for success in the next five years. You're going to be a bad team regardless in the next five, six, seven years. Start it now. So if, for all the San Jose fans out there, I apologize. You will be a bad team this year. Any idea of making the playoffs, just get that out of your head. And I'm sorry, I love San Jose. When everybody asks me who, because I played for a lot of franchises, who was your favorite franchise? I always say San Jose in the top two. Loved playing there. Loved the organization. Loved the area. Loved the fan base. You're going to be bad. There's no any. There's no way around it. Your your best player is Thomas Hurdle. Logan's good. Friend of the show. Timo's good. 
big drop off after that. And you don't even have a number one defenseman. You don't have a number two defenseman. That's it. You're, you're a bad hockey team and you only have $2 million in cap space. So I guess you got LeBanc. He's injured. I don't know what his status is. He's an okay player. He's a good, he's 26. I don't want to be crass and just harsh, but it's like, you don't have any, anybody's draft picks. Usually when you see in the a team in this situation, oh, we picked up a draft pick at the deadline. We, we sold off. We got an extra first rounder this year, a couple second rounders. We got more. They don't have anybody's draft pick. The trade deadline came around last year. Nobody wanted anybody from San Jose. Nobody. That's not a good thing. Usually teams are sellers. You look around, okay, who, who are we going to get? LA's trading guys. Uh, these guys are sellers. These guys are sellers. San Jose's like, we're sellers. Does anybody want anybody? No. They don't want anybody from your team. That's a problem. That's a, I guess they got Middleton. They traded him. He was a good piece. He really did well for Minnesota. Minnesota won the cup. Then no, he didn't do anything. All right. Anything else on San Jose team? You, you, you had a question here on the bottom of the agenda. Are they a playoff team? He's serious. He's serious, Tim. Uh, you think, are they? In what year? <laughs> yeah. Are they a playoff team in 2012? Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would say probably not, but I don't think I'm quite as down on them as you are. I'm very, the only, they're saving grace. They're only saving grace. They are in the Pacific Division where bad teams can look magnificent at the drop of a hat. So the only saving grace, Vegas is going to be bad this year. LA will be better potentially. I think they'll be a decent team. Anaheim, ugh, I don't know. I don't know about them. They could potentially get in that top three in the Pacific Division because the Pacific is just so bad. Although Edmonton, they'll be good. Calgary will be worse. We'll see. Let's talk about Calgary. There's some news there. We're just going to go over the gamut of news. Everybody knows Calgary. It's been a tough summer for them. They lose their two best players. The franchise is just in chaos. They, they pull off a good trade for Kachuk, get some pieces in. One of the pieces they bring in, Jonathan Huberto. What, did he, what statement did he make, Tim? A very innocuous comment. He probably got asked a question. The Flames posted it on their Twitter account. He, he is releasing his jersey number. All is well, right, Tim? It should be a good time in Calgary. Their new superstar is reaching out to the fans. And what does he say? And what is the reaction from Calgary Flames fans? Yeah, he recorded a quick video for the Flames fans just saying hello and that he's excited and he's already picked my number, number 10. And I said, I already picked my number for the year is how he said it. And everyone is like bringing out the microscope to analyze this. Why did he say for the year? He's like already announced that he's leaving basically. And so you could, you could analyze this or you could not, maybe you don't want to read too much into it, but it could be one of those slips where he's like, yeah, I picked my number for this year. It won't be longer than that. You know, you showed me this clip and my first reaction was how dumb. And you know, I, I don't like ripping on fan bases. Cause I like Calgary. Calgary is a great city, but. And I said, the title of the video should be how to make a player not want to play in your city. Because this guy is just doing a video, taking time out of his day to just send a video to some PR guy in Calgary. He doesn't want to do this. And he just makes some innocent comment. Oh, this is my number for the year. I'm excited to come to Calgary. And you just roast them for it. Only for the year? Why? What do you think? You don't want to be in Calgary? Fine. We don't want you. What good are you? We want Matthew Kachuk, blah, 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 this and that. Do you think this is going to improve your chances of signing a Jonathan Huberto to a long-term contract? Not a chance. This is why players don't want to play in Canada. And I know Matt Pacioretty came out and kind of talked about how the difference between playing in Vegas and Montreal, and there was no accountability. He enjoyed playing in Montreal because people took the game serious and you know he had to play good or else fans would give him guff for it on the street. I get that side of the coin, but there's the other side of the coin where it's like, you can't say anything without fans, media, everybody analyzing every single word that comes out of your mouth. And this was a throwaway comment by Huberto. And now it's just blown up into, into a life of its own. And Huberto's probably like, I, in, in Florida, I could say I was going to burn the building down and I hate my coach and I don't want to play here anymore. And no one would even you know, blink because no one really cared about it that much. They liked hockey, 
But when they left the rink, it was like, okay, move, go on with your day. In Calgary, people live, eat, breathe the Calgary Flames. That's it. That's all they think about in Calgary. So this one word that he chose to use, instead of just saying, really excited, my number is going to be number 10. This is the number I'm choosing. And not including the word year, it would have been fine. But because he said for this year, everyone's blowing up. Maybe it is a Freudian slip. Maybe he just let the cat out of the bag. Who cares? Just leave it be. This is why players don't want to play in Canada. Because it's just an unrelenting onslaught of negative media. Negative, negative, negative. You can be Austin Matthews, score 60 goals, just do something in your franchise that has never been done before. And you still get negative media this summer because Kachuk left Calgary. Now everybody's all over Austin Matthews. There's like literally bets being placed on where he's going to play next year when his contract's done. And we're on it too. But that's what you get when you play in a a Canadian market. No one's talking about another high-end superstar anywhere else in in the United States. It's just how it goes in Canada. So that's why players are very hesitant to go to Canada. This is just another reason why. It's okay, Calgary, you made your bed. Watch Huberto walk at the trade deadline next year. He will not be a Calgary Flame this time next year. Mark my word. If they're gonna, they might sign Wegar. I get that. He's a good piece, but they have a million defensemen there already. But this is the reason why players don't want to play in Canada. I don't know why the fan base just doesn't. They can't get out of their own way. They just can't get out of their own way. They keep making it worse and worse. I get you're passionate. Just pump the brakes a little bit. Just just let this guy dip his toe in the Calgary water a little bit before you come at him full force. You said year. You said year. I'm losing my mind. Gosh, Tim. All right. What else are we talking about today? Do you see that Kirill Kaprizov news that he's back in the U.S.? Russia is crazy. Like, Russia's the real deal crazy wild, wild west. So why were they going after him? Do you know why there was a warrant issued for his arrest? Yeah, it's it's basically had to do with uh, they believe that he or the report was that they believe that he had like falsified documents claiming military service or something like that. I think you're acquired um, back in 2018. And I was reading the report by the wild reporter, Michael Russo, and he said something about um, that. He has exempt status because Kaprizov is technically a, a student at university. I think he probably has just enough classes or whatever registered membership to to pass as that but it was all this whole bit scary thing and he and you kind of think well maybe it's no big deal but even to leave 25 years old he's a young kid he reportedly left russia through turkey in order to get to new york city and it's like you don't want to mess with these guys you know what i mean even even though he's probably safe in the united states they're still they're still watching they're still watching. It's, it's crazy how, how little has changed. Even going back to like, the, you know, it's a different government technically, but the Cold War and the way that they would watch like the the Fedorovs and all those great Russian fives and they would be just KGB agents everywhere, right? Like the way that they watch their players internationally is just really, really scary to look at. Well, this all stems from a Philadelphia Flyers goaltending prospect, Ivan Fedotov, right? Fedotov, Fedotov. So he's he's been playing the KHL. And the Flyers sign him. We all know their goaltender woes. They're trying something else out. So he signs with the Flyers. The higher-ups in the KHL said, oh, we don't like this. No, 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 no. So they arrest him, and they sent him to the Arctic Russian military outpost to fulfill his military service. Like, that's insane. That is absolutely bonkers. And this isn't new for countries in Europe. Finland has something like this. I'm sure other Scandinavian countries have something like this where you don't have a, a big population. And so they train everybody. Everybody is mandated to go into some length of military service. I played, I played with a couple guys in college. I played with guys in pros where you have to do a couple years of military service before you can go on with your, with your life. Pekka Satakari, before he could go to college in Michigan, he did, I think, two years in the Finnish you know, army, whatever they call it. You know, Miko Koivu did something like that. All these guys, you have to do it. You, you can get some kind of absolvement from that. If you play for the national team, maybe they, you can work something out there, but Russia doesn't mess around. It's, it's very scary. Kaprizov actually tried to enter the USA twice and was denied because he didn't have a valid visa, which makes me question the whole Minnesota wild thing. Why don't you just give this guy a visa? I don't understand that. They should have figured this out because if you're Billy Guerin, 
you want Kaprizov like sleeping at your house to know that your star player is safe. He's not going anywhere. The fact that he's being denied at the border twice this summer when he's trying to come back because he doesn't know if he's going to be arrested and shipped off to the Arctic Circle and just left to die because he doesn't want to live in Russia or you don't want to piss Russia off, basically. Like there, it's just everybody knows what's going on with that Brittany Griner gal who had some cannabis oil in her suitcase, which, by the way, what a dummy. You, you got to know what's in your bag when you go through airport security in the United States. You better be damn sure you know what's in your bag when you're going through security in Russia. Are you kidding me? You have any marijuana residue? You, 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 you garbage, garbage, Brittany. Now she's going to be in jail for 10 years in Russia. Oh, it's crazy. So, yes, he's back in the United States. Good for him. Keep your eyes out if you're in Minnesota for any suspicious looking characters following Kirill Kaprizov around. Because it wouldn't surprise me if they kidnap him, bring him back to Russia. Putin's, he's a wild cat, Tim. He, he assassinates people who question him. Like he, he kills people. Imagine if Kirill Kaprizov got assassinated. <sighs> Crazy. What would you do if you were the president of the United States? And Putin kills Kirill Kaprizov. Cold War? I am so not equipped to handle that question. The 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 answer the question. Int, I would I would ask him to apologize and say, "Hey, you didn't mean this, right? You didn't mean was that an accident? Are you okay? What is this? You know really what I would about? do? I would say, Vladdy, use my DoorDash coupon. Get yourself a meal because we're we're bombing your ass." And here's my promo code. And you should use it too. Any, any big decision, you need to be on a full stomach. Because if you're not, you're going to be a little, uh, a little angry, a little confused about your decision making. You got an exam. You got something coming up. Make sure you have a full stomach. And if you're pressured and you're under stress, you're not going to want to make food. That's why we use DoorDash here at Dropping the Gloves. And you should too. And I'll do you one more solid. Use our promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. GLOVESDDUS. If you're in the US of A, you got 25% off free delivery on your first order. And you get your food delivered to you, piping hot, whatever you want. DoorDash does it. They're the best company who delivers food on the planet Earth. I, I don't know if they're in Russia. I'll have to, I'll have to fact check that. But if, if oh, I know we have a lot of Russian listeners, so try it in Russia. Let us know if it doesn't work. For those of you in the USA and Canada, I know it works in those countries. So use our promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US. Get yourself some good food. Get yourself some coupon codes and you get 25% off free delivery DoorDash. It's a great company. Check them out. All right. You know what else you should check out, Tim? I saw a tweet the other day, goaltenders in the Austin Matthews era for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I figured there'd be two or three or four or five, 13 different goaltenders have played behind Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner in their illustrious career for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it just begs to wonder, when they leave in two and three years, respectively, is it on the GM? Is it Kyle Dubas's fault for not getting a decent goaltender in the pipes for these two guys? Much like, is it going to be Ken Holland's fault and Pete Shirelli's fault, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, for not surrounding Connor McDavid with decent players to play with? Because Marners and Matthews, they have, they have good players to play around. Edmonton has nothing. They've always had bad goaltenders and bad players around those two guys, Dreinsidel and uh, McDavid. Who is responsible for the lack of goaltenders in Toronto? And out of this list, I'll, I'll list them off. Freddie Anderson, Jonas Enroth, Antoine Bibu, Curtis McElhaney, Garrett Sparks, Michael Hutchison, Jack Campbell, David Riddick, Peter Morazic, Joseph Wolk, Wool, Eric Hallgreen, and now for this coming year, Matt Murray and Elias Samsonov. Out of that group, who's the best goaltender in your eyes? Freddie Anderson, probably. I think Freddie is. I agree. Yeah. After that, after Freddie and Jack Campbell, it's it's just a steep drop off of just journeyman, AHL, European, has beens, one hit wonders, nobodies. And it's a travesty. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you are a legit Stanley Cup contender year after year after year and you roll out this list of goaltenders it's embarrassing if i if i'm kyle dubas and i get fired after this year which he will if toronto doesn't succeed and judging from 
Toronto last year to Toronto this year, they're a worse team this year than they were last year. I think everybody can agree on that, especially between the pipes. They got worse between the pipes. And the problem is between the pipes. Their problem is goaltending a lot of the times. And you're bringing in a Samsonov who's an untested backup and Matt Murray, who's been dog garbage for three years now, hoping that it reverts back to the guy who, who he was when he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins. What are we doing? We are ruining any chance of winning a Stanley Cup. Whose fault is this, Tim? Or is this just uh, a non sequitur? It's just people are making a big deal out of it, and it's not a big deal. It's funny because I had mostly been giving Kyle Dubas credit over the last couple of years because, like, he makes moves at the deadlines. He goes and gets depth players. He gets role players. He gets scorers. He gets defensemen, you know, bringing in, like, the muzzins of the world and all that. And I'm, and I'm like, you know what? It's on the players to perform. But after seeing this list and really thinking about it, how do you not get a better goalie in all this time and all the pieces that we moved around? How do you not get a better goalie? There have been goalies available. Every deadline, there's been like legit star goalies being moved. How do you not get one of those guys? And even if you want to take like a harder, it's a kind of like a, a fantasy move, but like as good as Nylander is, you've got the talent up front. You've got scoring wingers. You've got forwards who can put the puck in the net. Why wouldn't you trade someone like that for like, even like, Forget the Vasilevskis or Shostorkin, but like a good goalie like a Demko, Thatcher Demko, right? I know this this isn't an even trade necessarily, but doesn't Demko make you a better player this coming year and solve your issues more than William Nylander does? Like, you need a goaltender. You, you'll you score goals. you got that covered. You've got that covered. As good as Nylander is, he's he's a luxury for your team at this point when you've got Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov between the pipes. It just It doesn't make sense to me. And then here's my issue. Has the forward group, your way of winning worked for the last four years? You had, you had an idea coming in called Dubas. You what you wanted to play the game a certain way. It hasn't worked for four years. You wanted to play a fast paced up and down North South type of hockey. You wanted players who were smart players who could play at all positions, move the puck, very dynamic. You have the players that can do that. You have very electric defensemen. You've, you, you know, Tyson Berry's, Morgan Riley's. You have young, good young defenders. The, the forwards were built for that. It hasn't worked. Why not? Here's here's a trade that I want to see. John Gibson for Willie Nylander. Do it. Do it. Do the trade. John Gibson is a is a damn good goaltender. He he could drastically change your team. He was one of the top six in the lead. I want to in the league. I want to say. He's been playing on an Anaheim team where he just gets shelled with shots. He, he's a great goaltender. Willie Nylander's on a great contract. Anaheim would make this trade. Why not do that? Why not go out and just swing for the fences? Instead, he makes you know tertiary moves. He's working from the outside. Well, maybe we'll get Matt Murray. He'll come in. He'll he'll be good. We'll get Elias Samsonov. Well, he was a good backup at one point in his career. Oh, we'll, we'll bring in this guy. We'll bring. Why not just go for it? Go for it. Instead of trying to bring in all these random pieces. And well, Jack Campbell, he was a good backup in LA. He played good as a starter for a little bit. Let's bring him in. Always oh, good. Then he's bad. Always oh, good. He's hurt. He's bad. He's good. Go for it, Toronto. That's the frustrating part because you're going to wake up and it's going to be 2024, 2025. Austin Matthews will be out the door. Mitch Marner will be out the door the very next year. And you're going to go, dang it. We should have got a goalie. We should have got a goalie. We can score goals. We can score goals with the best of them. We figured out our back end. Our defense was good. Couldn't We couldn't save the puck. We let in weak goals here and there, and that's the reason why we didn't win Stanley Cups. Wish we would have Vasilevsky. There's good, there's good goaltenders out there. Shesterkin, Vasilevsky. We see, this, we see the teams that are succeeding. UC Saros. All these guys. They, they were gettable goaltenders. Even Avili Husso from St. Louis. There was goaltenders out there that they could have gotten. They just chose not to. And they stake their whole franchise. You stake everything on a goalie that's been garbage for three years. I don't know how he still has a job. And I agree with you. We we have lauded him. He he does great moves like he Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, all these guys, all these moves. They need grit. We're gonna go out and get a Jason Muzzer. All these guys, they're they're great moves. We've applauded everything he's done. But then we just ignore the massive gaping hole that's between the pipes. And the goaltender is the most important position on the ice. And he's just really letting this team down. He's letting this fan base down. It's good for us because I, I love when Toronto loses. 
and they're going to they're going to be good this year until they get to the playoffs when the the pressure jacks up a little bit and you think Matt Murray's going to be able to you know produce in the playoffs it might it won't even be Matt Murray at that point i i think he's going to just continue to be a garbage goaltender and they'll have to figure out on the fly like they always do panic what are we going to do and they're going to lose again so doesn't it make you bang your head on the wall like i'm not saying we're smarter than all these gms but it's not like we're the only ones talking about it maybe some of every them. everybody talks about it everybody knows the problems in edmonton everybody knows the issues in toronto it's goaltending why does every other gm in the league why are they able to figure this out why can detroit go and trade for a nadelkovich and then go and pick up a Billy hustle why, why can't toronto or edmonton do that it's not like they're giving away the world when they're trading for these goaltenders. If you put a Delkovic in Toronto, he's their starter for five years. And they have a chance to win the cup. He's a good goaltender. That's if you a great, get a Billy Hussle, yeah. yeah, right? And he's not going to price you out of the market. You give him three million bucks for six years, good. You're locked in. You have your goaltender for six. He's not as good as Vasilevsky, don't get me wrong. But he's not going to blow you games. Uh, just... I don't get, I don't, but we'll play Matt Murray three and a half or whatever we're paying him. Cause maybe he'll be as good as he was three years ago. Cross your fingers, cross your fingers, Tim. We'll see. It's going to be terrible. Did you see that stat that Zdeno Char is the only active player in the entire league who has played against the Maple Leafs in the second round? <laughs> Isn't that insane? It is. That's how long it's been. The teams that Toronto has had, it's, it's a travesty. And I know they've lost to Tampa Bay and Boston, who's are very good teams. They always win the Stanley Cup and they go far away. But for the talent Toronto has, it, it's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. For the amount of money, for the amount of pull that they have, they, this should not be happening. They're the, the, the Yankees of hockey. You know what I mean? They, they should be succeeding more. It just It's funny. Speaking of Char, is he going to sign somewhere this year, Tim, or is he done? Because I know I his agent, is he done? I think he's done. Yeah, I think he's done. He'll probably, he could do whatever he wants. He could coach, not maybe head coach, but he could sign one of those like VP of player development where he hangs out at the rinks and trains with the guys, that sort of thing. But I think he's done being a player. All right, well, let's do some points bet quick hits, Tim. We love points bet. Points bet loves us. Let's do some quick hits brought to you by points bet. I'm excited for next year when we start an account and we start with a thousand dollars and we'll see, we have to do this. We okay. must do this and make it totally. I know we talked about in the playoffs some grand schemes, grand ideas, and we never follow through. We have to follow through on this. Just like when we did the fan duel and I was supposed to send the winner a Jersey. I haven't done it yet, but I need to do it. What's her name again? Sarah, Sarah, I haven't forgotten about you. I need to do it. I got to get my storage unit and find that jersey. I haven't done it yet. I got seven kids for Pete's sake. All right. Quick hits brought to you by points bet. Finally have a, have a, a bow wrapped on the John Klingberg situation. He has signed drum roll, please. He wanted eight years. He wanted $8 million a year. He was really going, he wanted to get up to nine and a half million dollars a year. like Seth Jones. He thinks he's one of those guys. It's going to be a huge deal. It's going to be a huge deal. What do you sign for Tim? One year, $7 million. Oh, what, 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 a, just a complete failure on John Klingberg fired his agent before he signed with Anaheim. Apparently yep. get this Dallas offered him at the start of the year, an eight year, $8 million contract or $7 million contract. I don't know what the exact term was, but it was a lot of money. And he's like, no, I want to be up with the big boys. I want to be with the McCars. I want to be with the Joneses. He wanted nine and a half. I think Dallas offered him seven or eight million for a long term. He said, no, his agent advised him. Let's, let's play the field. Let's see what we got going on here. Well, that was a massive failure. He tested the market. Wasn't what it, what he thought it was going to be. So he signs a one-year prove-it deal with the Anaheim Ducks for $7 million. This is a $29 million, 29-year-old defenseman. Coming off some pretty solid seasons in Dallas. Why does he not sign a long-term deal? Do you know anything? Why John Klingberg is only signing a one-year deal? Do you think does he think he's gonna have a, a fantastic year in Anaheim? A team that doesn't score very much, a team that's just they it was a cute story last year for a little bit. Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras. It, it was it was cute. Does he think he's gonna go there and light the world on fire and, and score 80 points? Why is is it only a one-year deal, Tim? Can you Wrap your head around this. 
I actually, when I saw this signing come across the ticker tape, I saw, I kind of had your, your in my head, like he thought he was worth more. He went, he wanted to go and make his money and realized quickly that the market was not willing to give him what he, even close to what he thought. And I bet he got offered some term, but at a lower number, maybe he got offered four years at six or something by some team. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm worth more than that. So rather than take one of these deals, he took kind of bet on himself for a one year deal, 7 million, no joke. But it's funny because if you're, if you want to bet, this is like a prove it deal, right? If you want to prove it and say, okay, I'm not just a one dimensional player. I think that's part of the knock on him as well from, from GMs, but I can put up points. I can succeed. Why Anaheim? Like you're not going to put up if he'd be lucky to put up 50 points there. And, and I don't think he puts up even that much. Like this is not a high flying offense. I know they got some young talent, but what, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to know more about like how many teams call them, how we picked Anaheim, that sort of thing. Go to Edmonton, go to Tampa Bay, go to the Rangers, Go, go anywhere that has good offensive talent that, you know, when the power play hits the ice, Boston. come to Boston. Go to Boston. Go to any of these teams. And I know a $7 million cap hit, it's a big cap hit. But if you were to tell any of those teams, like, listen, I'll go for $5 bucks, they would make it work. I know their cap situation's tight. They would make it work. Now he finds himself on a power play unit. Troy Terry, Ryan Strom, Maxime Comtois, and Trevor Zegras. That's okay. It's not as good as the Dryan Seidel, McDavid, Evander Kane, or what we have in Tampa Bay, go to a team where you know you're going to get 60 points. If you really want to do a prove-it deal, like you said, he's going to, at the end of the season, have 35 points. He's going to have an average year. He'll be dash 10. You think you're going to be getting $7 million for seven-year offers thrown at you? Ah, no, I don't think so. And, and to make matters worse, he's not even in the first D-pairing unit. He's a right-handed defenseman. Jamie Drysdale is a right-handed defenseman. If I'm Anaheim, I'm giving Drysdale first power play unit time. I'm giving him opportunity to start every game, start every period. I want to develop this guy. He is my horse that I'm going to build my team around. It's not you, John Klingberg. I'm sorry. You're going to be 30 years old this year. My guy is Drysdale. So I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe there was just nothing there for him. And I think this is what Nazim Kadri is running into, where he just thought he was going to be inundated with offers. There was just going to be GMs pounding down his door. We want you. We want you. And it just wasn't there. And they have to come to the realization that it's just, it's just not going to happen. And John Klingberg, $7 million bucks, like you said, is a lot of money. But I think when he turns around, remember Isaiah Thomas with the Boston Celtics? And they offered him a deal. And he's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to back up the Brinks truck, baby. It's going to be me. I did like a, an event with him for the Players Tribune where it was like a, a panel. I, it, was, it was him and I. And he, we were talking about that. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to blow it out. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I don't know if I could have turned down. Because I think they offered him something like $100 million. Like it was a lot of money he turned down from the Celtics. He's like, no, no, I'm the best point guard in the league. And then he gets hurt and he has surgery, he battles for the playoffs. We, we all know the story. And he ends up just fizzling out of the league. So I hope this isn't the case with the Klingberg but I could see this happening where he wakes up and he's 36 years old and he's making league minimum, just still clawing to find a team. And he's like, gosh, I, I could still be in Dallas making $8 million a year. This kind of stinks. How about Keith Yandel as a comparison? Do you think that's a, a fair one down the line turning into oh, yeah. the league minimum? Well, well, without a doubt, but Keith Yandel cashed in. He, he yeah. got his long-term deals. He got his money. And we're not saying Klingberg, you know, he's made over $30 million in his career, but a player of his size, his ilk, his ability, he should be on a long-term contract making $8 million a year for seven or eight years, just like every other player like him. He should have signed an Oliver Ekman Larson type deal. He's very, very similar. Both Swedes play the game the same way. Klingberg's better defensively. So the fact that he's not, it just speaks to how bad his agent was. And maybe he was a little too proud to accept the money that was offered to him. He's like, I'm, I'm just as good as these guys. I'm going to get that money. Well, sometimes the grass is not always greener. Now you have $7 million for one year, and it's not going to get any better next year, baby. It's going to be worse next year. You think Dallas was bad at offense? Wait till you go to Anaheim. Wait till you go to – you think you're going to have a Joe Pavelski tipping pucks in front of the net, getting you assists left and right? Uh, I don't think so. Troy Terry was a good story. Uh, I don't think you can replicate that. Hey, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where his point's at. He had 47 points this year in 74 games. 
What he was a dash 28. Dash 28. Had to have the green jacket in Dallas. Where do you see him falling this year? How many points does Klingberg get? Over under 40 points with the Anaheim Ducks this year, Tim. I'd say over 40. In over? the 40s. Yeah. Less than 50. I go under. I go under, and I feel like he doesn't end the season with Anaheim. I think he's going to be shipped at the deadline. He's gone, and he'll make less than $7 million next year on his next contract. So good for good for Klingberg. He, he, he bet on himself, and he lost. Sometimes it doesn't work out. All right, moving on. Friend of the show, hopefully, Phil Kessel. What's his status, Tim? Yeah, Frank Cervelli was asked about Kessel and, and uh, P.K. Subban, who both – I know Subban has been outspoken about wanting to come back for the right offer – and Frank's like, yeah, I haven't heard anything on either of those two guys. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of interest there, which probably doesn't surprise me. I think they could both be a useful player, but at the same time, depends on the term and the money they want. If they want anything more than just like maybe a million bucks or something, I think they, they're not worth it at this point. Who would you rather have? If you're, if you're a team, a contending team, you can get either of these guys for one million bucks. Who would you rather have? I mean, obviously it depends on the need, but I'll take Kessel. He's got three rings. He can score, so... I don't know. It depends on what your yeah, need is. I, I'm going PK. I, 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 I know PK takes a lot of heat. His, his production has dropped like massively the last four years. Ever since he went to New Jersey, pretty much, he's just been a shell of him former self. I don't mind him. I feel like he's humble enough to just accept a 5-6 role. You can put him on the second power play unit. I, I like PK Subban. I think he's a good defenseman. I know he's a little long in the tooth now. I think he's got to be 30... Six thirty-five. So I, I think he can give you two good years. I would sign a PK Subban for my five-six defenseman for a million bucks. I think he's worth it. He'll find a spot. Uh, maybe not in training camp. Maybe he waits a little bit to see how the you know injuries shake out here and there. But keep an eye on those two guys. They're very valuable. All right, moving on. Last one. This is a tough one to talk about. Yeah, the Santa- go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I thought you were going to ask me to talk about it. You should talk about. It. I'm going to start tearing up. But look. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Sharks announced that they're going to retire Patrick Marlowe's number 12 this season. Uh, well-deserved, obviously. Uh, great, great successful career. Which asked the question that you brought up. Should he? Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? And this is a tough question, right? There's a lot of... Listen, I, I, I go back and forth on this. And I, and I try to take my personal relationships with the players out of it. When you just look at the brass tacks... You know, when you look at the stats, when you look at the numbers, there are better players not in the Hall of Fame than Patty Marlowe, in my opinion. Players. Patty, the one thing he has for him is the games played. That That's a big, you know, tip of your hat. That That's a big nugget that he has. If he gets in the Hall of Fame, it's strictly because of his longevity. He's played the most games in the NHL. But when you look at players with most more career points than, than Patty, Vinny Damfus, Bernie Nichols, Jeremy Roenick, Pierre Turgeon, those guys are not all in the Hall of Fame. I believe those guys are better hockey players than Patty Marlowe. Would you agree? I don't know all those older names, but Roenick for sure. He's never been on an all-star team. Now he's made the all-star team during the season. They do an all-star team, best players in the NHL. He's never made one of those. He's never won an individual award, any individual award. He's only been nominated yeah. once for a Lady Bing. So he, he hasn't even been nominated for any individual awards. He's got 1,000 points. He's got 500 goals. Over. He's played the most games in NHL. I, I just don't know how to – I don't know how to – do you think he makes the Hall of Fame, Tim? Uh, I would, I would vote no. And that's a very sad, I love Patrick Marlowe as a player, but it, and okay. You didn't win any cups, which I, which is a team trophy. I get that. It's still a knock on him, but not the only reason he doesn't get in. But the fact that you don't win a cup and you don't have any hardware, you didn't win any awards. Like how many guys in the, in the hall of fame have won zero cups and like no scoring trophies, right? Like it's, it's, they've usually got that. So that's, that's the part that it's like, he was never the best player in the league. And he's actually probably never the best player on his own team. I was going to say that. Yeah. Arguably not the best player on his team. He's won internationally. He's won yep. a couple of goals for Team Canada, which which yep. is something else. But I'm going to say he will make the Hall of Fame. 
Would I vote for him? That's a different question. I do think he makes the Hall of Fame just strictly based on the fact that he has placed, played the most games in the NHL. But that, that puts him in, in the Hall of Fame anyway, like that record. That's different from being a Hall of Fame player. You know what I mean? You know what would have worked in his favor? If he had played in the KHL, put up a bunch of points there, then I would vote for him. Well, yeah, it's like, okay. Thank goodness yeah. you don't get a vote because that would be just... <laughs> it, it, and here's the thing. You know, he's, he's got a point per game twice in his career, right? Yeah. So he, he averages a point roughly a little more than every other game. So it's not like he's scoring out like crazy. He's got almost 1,200 points in his career, but he's played almost 1,800 games. So that points per game doesn't put him anywhere near the top. Wouldn't you have bet like $1,000 that he had put up 90 points in a season before? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. His high, his high point total in his career is 86, and that's playing all 82 games. He scored 34 goals and 52 assists. So other than that, you could lock him in for 50 points. That, that's his average, 50 points a season. Is that a Hall of Fame guy who gets 50 points a season in his career? No, it's not. And I hate to say it. Patty's a very uh, good friend of mine. I love Patty. But I do think he makes the Hall of Fame because he will get that vote just based on how nice of a guy he is. He played the most games in the NHL in history, and people just generally like him. And he was a no-nonsense, old-school type player who just went about his business, and that's what he's going to be known for. And when voters look at his name, they're going to go, oh, you know what? Yeah, he, he's a nice guy. Let's get him in there. Whereas when you think of a Jeremy Roenick, you're like, ah, that guy's a jerk. I'm not going to vote him in. Vinny Danfoos maybe wasn't as nice. Doesn't have the same accolades. Doesn't have that most games ever to take Gordie Howe off the mantle. That's a big deal. Would I vote for him? No. Will he get in? I think he will. Maybe not first ballot. I, I think he eventually gets in. I also, I, that crossed my mind too, is like, okay, he really wanted the cup. Never got it. Chased it the last couple of seasons. And you, you can, you know, he's, he's sad about it. I wonder if like they throw him a bone. It's like, Hey, we never got this. I, let's put him in the hall of fame. He deserves it. You know? Yeah. No, here, here's the thing. He has the most games played as it stands right now. What happens if Jumbo comes back this season and all of a sudden Jumbo gets the record because Jumbo is yeah. only 60 games behind him. Uh, yeah. Does Patty get in if, if, he does he doesn't have that record. I don't think so. So there's a lot of like moving parts. If he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, does he even have a chance? Like if, if Joe passes him, man, I don't know. I don't I don't think he gets in. I don't think he gets in. <laughs> so there's only one guy who has a chance in his jumbo at this point, you know, and then the next five years. So we'll see. Char, Chara. Chara will get in. Chara's not you think Chara's gonna get in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yeah, I think Char will, but I'm talking about passing Patty on the games played. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, of yeah. those three active players in the list, it's Marlo, Jumbo, and Char. I think Jumbo is a walk-in. Like, he's going to get in. He's got heart trophies. He's Jumbo. And Char gets in. He's got, you know, a Stanley Cup, Norris trophies. He's, he was a good defenseman. But, yeah, sorry, Patty. I, I think he will get in. I'm going to say that, but I would not vote for him. And that's hard for me to say because I really enjoy the guy. Anything else, Tim, we're going to touch on? No, we've gone on long enough. We have. Uh, we will talk to everybody next week. I, I'm going on a little trip with the family, just the girls, not my wife, to Cleveland, nice. Ohio tomorrow. Oh, be beautiful. Fun. Sunny Isn't Cleveland. It beautiful? Yes, it's going to be great. So uh, we'll check back in on Monday. We'll have a, a couple of good shows next week. Hopefully we get a couple of interviews, maybe one. We'll, we'll, shoot for, uh, we'll shoot for one. Maybe we'll get two. But anyways, everybody, have a good weekend. Thanks for the support. And we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.